Okay, uh, welcome to episode 14 of Ricardo's podcast. Mwai is back for the second episode. Hey. Mwai, say what's up? <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> oh, that's how we doing it? <laughs> All right, cool. What so, are you doing? How are you doing? A couple people killed me last week for killing Mwai's uh, wine choice, oh. but it just wasn't that good. <laughs> but I didn't come to bury him. I came to praise him this time because Mwai kind of saved me three times last week. Don't taste that wine yet. Don't taste that wine yet. Okay. Hold on. I'm about to taste this wine. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Um, so first of all, you brought me some clothes back from South Africa. Thank nice you. Nice Finally, stuff. I have shirts for work that don't have holes in them. Um, <laughs> second thing. Um, yeah, I had a... How do I put this in the world of, <laughs> I had some short-term liquidity <laughs> issues <laughs> that liquidity I needed solved, issues. and I made a few phone calls, and why bailed me out? So the Nairobi City Council is now satisfied that I have all the licenses to run my business. Thanks again. <laughs> and what was the third thing you, you helped me out with? I don't know. I took you out. Took you out to the streets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Friday night. Thanks, thanks for taking me out. Usually, I don't go out at all, but young fella took me out, had a couple drinks, um, saw how Nairobi gets down at night. And so to thank you, I wanted to open up something that I think you'd like. So I opened a bottle of Villafonte Series C 2017 from South Africa. Mm. I think South African wine gets a bad rap. Why? Because I think like Australia, when they first started importing, they first started exporting. They exported all their cheapest and worst wine. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Australia flooded the market with Yellowtail. And yellowtail, so, I remember that. Yeah. Exactly. So all of us, when we were students, drank Yellowtail. Yeah. And it wasn't any good. <laughs> and so people started associating Australian wine with the quality of Yellowtail. And I think the same thing happened to South African wine when they started exporting, like, Robertson and Netterberg. Yeah. Like, the, the mass market brands. Robertson but, was not a good time. <laughs> but there's some really good wines down there. So I wanted to offer you one. You haven't tasted it yet. Go ahead, taste it, let the people know I what you think. I can finally taste it. All right, cool. Yeah, cool. Go ahead and taste it and let people know what you think. Mm, not a bad time. Oh, it's a bit. Mm. Okay, okay, I hear that. I think it op- needs to open up a bit, but you know. Nah, I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> but so, like, so like that's the difference. Like, I kind of <laughs> what? <laughs> nah, you know how sometimes you go to somebody's house and you know what they're giving you to drink is a drink they give to general company. Do, do, you, do you know what I'm going to do? Um, one of the next episodes, um, I'm going to order wine from you. And then just serve it behind the back and be like, yo, what do you think about this one? <laughs> <laughs> All right. No problem. But, yo, let's, let's get into the episode. Yeah. Um, so, look, we're recording this on March 8th. It's International Women's Day. Yeah. And so I thought it would be good for us to give a shout out to certain to some women in our lives. Of course, my mom's awesome. My wife is awesome. Um, both of them have kind of sacrificed a lot for me to be able to have the life that I have. And also my sister, rest in peace. Love you to death. Um, you're the best, you're the greatest. Um, so maybe I'll use a different episode to really go into detail about each of them. But I think Moi wanted to talk about his grandmother. So I'm going to give you the floor. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, International Women's Day. So I was thinking earlier about uh, the kind of women that um, in my life um, have uh, had a big influence on who I am. Um, and it felt a bit of a, of a cop-out to choose somebody who is not... Um, the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandmother passed away a couple of years ago, but she um, is one of the ladies who taught me um, that I could be whatever I wanted to be. You know, um, was she right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just I, have you seen? Have you met me? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, and yeah, my, she, my my grandmother had ten children, I think. Mine had fourteen. Oh, 
it's not a competition, bro. Um, <laughs> and taking care of those kids. Um, I, I went to Malawi recently, um, and one of my mom's older sisters was telling me the story about how she um, had to leave school um, in primary um, to try help the family because there's so many kids um, and she, they needed yeah. extra income. So she like she left like left school and went to the market where her, where her dad was um, and. Her dad looks at her like, yo, what are you doing here? And she's kind of like, yo, I'm, I'm here to work. Um, and yeah, man, so she was saying her first salary, she she gave it to her parents. Um, yeah. And not, I mean, like just generally from there onwards, she gave it to her parents and they would give her pocket money out of her salary. Isn't it amazing how like women kind of really work to prop up their families and allow for everyone else to live the lives that they want by yeah, sacrificing man. the life that they want for themselves. Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy. So even when she was telling me the story, I was like, man, that's, it's, that's such a crazy sacrifice to have at such a young age. Um, and I mean, like, so everybody who's followed through my grandmother, my, my aunts and my mom and all those people have given me the opportunity to be who I am now. You know, um, so when I think of the person who exemplifies for me um, what... A woman is and holding together um, the image of you know um, inspiration. It's my grandmother. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's what's up, man. What so, about you? Um, who would you? <laughs> now, let, let me, let's, let's not say that. Let's let's say in current in current um, affairs, who is yeah, the lady? Yeah, because I I, I want to do something that's current in terms of like a woman who's in the news. Yeah. And the woman I find that's like very interesting right now is actually Elizabeth Warren. Okay. So this isn't a politics podcast. I'm not a politics expert. I pay attention, but, you know, I'm not going to go inside baseball with politics. But I've been watching the campaigns and watching the debates. And for me, the candidate who was the most cogent, who had the most facts to back up her positions, the one who had the most information about her policies yeah. was Elizabeth Warren for me. Yeah. And I felt so bad for her when she dropped out because there was this idea that she wasn't electable. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times when the smartest person in the room is a woman, yeah. the goalposts shift a little bit to start talking about other things. And I felt like out of all the candidates, she was the smartest one. She was the one who was most presidential out of everyone. Yeah. And yet what happened was all the candidates started dropping out to make room for Joe Biden because there's this idea of elect electability. Yes. And when we think who's electable, we usually, at least for president in the U.S., we think male, white, middle-aged. But I think in times of crises, you have to do something that's not you know, what you would normally do. And if you look at 2008 pre-financial crisis, I think... You know, you see Barack, the rise of Barack Obama. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's easier for a young, charismatic male to rise than it is for a woman. Like if you look at Pete Buttigieg, right, yeah. who is in the race, male, 37 years old, no children, um, small town mayor. Yeah. You would never get a woman with that profile to rise up to that level. That Actually, what you get is a woman who's been doing her homework for 40 years as a professional before she gets a chance to be front and center. And so that's who I felt Elizabeth Warren was. And I felt like, you know, given the way things are, people are thinking, oh, Trump already beat one woman. Yeah. We can't put him up against another woman. And that's the other thing, right? When you're a minority, whether it's by gender, whether it's by race, you find yourself representing more than just you. So the fact that Hillary Clinton lost became kind of a referendum on whether or not Elizabeth Warren could do well. And they never do that with men, particularly white males who run for president. So... Yeah. I felt really bad for Elizabeth Warren because I felt like she was the best candidate out there. 
But when we think of electability, we don't think of someone who looks like her because it's never happened before. But had we thought about in that same context with Barack Obama, we would have never had what he gave us for eight years. Yeah. So for me, I think Elizabeth Warren is someone who continues to remind us that even though women have come a long way, yeah. there's still ways for us all to go. And even having said that, I don't want to misrepresent like, you know, I'm like a champion feminist because even I have a way to go. Right. Yeah. I think I, t I don't know if I told you this, but someone sent me a deck to invest in a company. Yeah. And so when oh, I yeah, saw, did. Yeah, yeah. so when I saw the profile of the company, You're I was like, like yeah. cool, I'm in. Yeah. And then when I saw the deck and I scrolled all the way to the last slide, I saw that it was three women and I paused for a second. In the end, I went ahead and invested, but I have to interrogate myself as to why I paused. Yeah. And the reason why I did is because you don't usually see in that deck, three women, you usually see three men or you usually see one woman. Right. So yeah. I do think we all have a long way to go. And, you know, there's this comfort that, you know, one day a woman will be president. But I hope to see it because in the last two campaigns, the smartest, most credible candidate was a woman and didn't get across the finish line. So that's kind of my kind of, you know, shout out to Elizabeth Warren, um, my idea that we still need to do more to kind of allow women to get the, the kind of rewards that men get for doing a fraction of the effort. Um, so, yeah. That reminds me of the story you told me about um, the other company um, that had to do with um, women's products. Um, you mean women's, repro women's reproduction? So yeah. I, I think it was a woman, like it was prenatal care or something. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I talked about it on the other podcast. Oh, right? did you? Yeah, we're not going to do that again uh -huh. here. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> right. So, look. Unfortunately, there was something else I wanted to talk about since I got on a politics thing. Um, and I didn't. Why, unfortunately? <laughs> because of. You'll see. I, I okay. didn't tell you because I wanted to surprise you with it. Okay. So I was um, surfing on the internet and mm -hmm. came across Bill Clinton, something he said recently. I mean, that's, not, that's never. <laughs> when you see Bill Clinton, you're always like, eh. <laughs> so this was even worse, right? So he was talking about his affair with Monica Lewinsky. Oh, he had a conversation about it. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things he said was, you know, when is this from, by the way? This was from like two days ago. Okay. Like for a documentary they're doing on Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah. Wild, right? Why, why would you put that in the documentary? Yo, sorry for this pivot from going from like Elizabeth <laughs> Warren and like your grandmother to talking about Monica Lewinsky yeah, and her affair with Bill Clinton. Uh -huh. But he said this thing about part of why that affair happened was that <laughs> it was a way for him to manage his anxiety. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Mental health? <laughs> Yo, dead serious. He said, like, that being president is like being in this 15-round, like, boxing fight. Nah. And you just tire nah. out. And, My anxiety? And he's like, you know, sometimes, like, you need a way to kind of, like, fight that anxiety. And so the affair with Monica Lewinsky and everything happened. Your new age guys are the worst. And Bill Clinton is, like, a new age guy, too. Dude, so, <laughs> so, right, so that's how Bill Clinton managed his anxiety when he was like in a Brooklyn very stressful at least like role. a 28 year old like in the second relationship talking about that's my right. anxiety so let me ask you <laughs> so no but for real let me ask you this though like all, all it's hard to say all jokes aside when like bill clinton says like, anxiety his, right dude i don't think i could pull that one anxiety but how do you manage your own anxiety right i'm because i i think sometimes let me find the right way to say this. I do think sometimes like sexual 
inter intercourse can kind of like calm you down after it's over, right? So, but putting that to the side, right? So I, I kind of see where he's coming nah. from, but I think like nah. you lose that once you're married. Like that kind of situation should be with your significant other. Yeah. But for you, but like he was married too. So I don't think. Uh, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Like he, no, he was married. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. So like, if he had that issue, it should have been with his significant other. <laughs> but for you, how do you manage your anxiety? Man, I, I had anxiety like since um, I was a teenager, right? So um, I have had a long road to get into a stage where I can control it. Dude, you never told me this. <laughs> like this wasn't even. He's asked me a question. Yeah, um, yeah this wasn't even a layup. Like I. I <laughs> I had no idea this no, was coming. I, Go ahead. I had like mad anxiety. Um, Why? Kind of like panic attacks. Um, I think I just was the kind of kid always used to think about like, yo, am I going to get to where I need to get to? Um, you know, because when, you, when you're when you like, you know, like in, in Africa applying for universities outside of Africa, you know, you're trying to find the information. You're trying to make sure like, yo, I want to get to this level, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at the time. So this was like 2010. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was like 2008. Yeah, 2008. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Good guess. Um, but especially where I was, the information um, in terms of you progressing out there was a bit, you know, scarce to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, um, generally, I have like a lot of like anxiety attacks. Even at university, I'd have a lot of anxiety attacks um, where like everything in the room just kind of like spinning. You know, you hold on to something. Um, but what I realized, and right now, while gym is so important to me. Um, so exercise. for people who don't understand your accent, you mean like going to the gym, not like gems? No, gym. Going to the gym. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Going to the gym yep. um, is one of the main ways that I make sure that I have like a healthy life. Um, you know, like making sure I eat good, eat healthy. Um, and also, it's very important to me to do the things that I enjoy. Right. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So I think even with social spaces, I have a cap on how uh, long Mr. Spaces is back. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I have a cap um, on how long I will stay um, somewhere um, where I don't enjoy. Um, and that's mostly just to protect my, just kind of like my, my energy and my environment. Mm -hmm. So I have a very controlled environment um, system uh, that I have going on. Um, yeah, so that's basically it. Uh, music, reading, um, were you feeling anxiety when you went up there and sang at the company Christmas party? <laughs> nah, not really. It's not, it's not the because, first Because, <laughs> look, first of all, when you sang, mm. I didn't anticipate you were going to sing Tracy Chapman Fast Car. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring it down with, like, some kind of Luther Vandross or, like, some kind Luther of, Vandross, like... Luther Vandross, right? Dude, I, I don't know, but... Dance with my father? <laughs> story for another time. Um, but, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, but, no, I wasn't feeling anxiety. I, I've, I've sang um, in front of, like, 700 people before. Um, so this well, podcast gets more listens than that, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying generally, that's, it's a small gathering. So, um, but yes, yeah, so generally anxiety is something that I had no, genuinely, I think like <laughs> Bill is really playing, talking about like, yo, uh, I was, look, I was we all manage it. our mental health differently. <laughs> nah, Don't judge. Nah, and nah. you know what he needed to do. I was going through something. Yo, listen, this it's like, that is such a millennial thing to say It's be like, Yo, I was going through some. Um, he was. You know? it was he, he went through like a fifteen round boxing match, apparently. But nah. So and you? What do you think? What do you do? Do, um, do, you, do you have anxiety? Generally? I do. Like I kind of obsess about things until they happen. So like the room we're sitting in now, right, where it's supposed to be done to be my podcast recording studio, it hasn't been done yet, and I obsess about it. Or like if I get a call about something and I put it off for someone else to manage it. Yeah. 
I'll start having anxiety about whether or not that delegation was the right decision to make, right? Okay, yeah. But I, I don't know that I have clinical methods for dealing with it. I just kind of, let me find the right way to say this. When I have anxiety about something, my way of dealing with it is to try to find a solution myself, right? So I, I, if I have angst about like a paper that I have to write, I'll yeah. just write it and be done with it. Yeah. Or, but the angst that you have sometimes when you can't control it is the tough thing. Yeah. And I haven't, I can't say that I have a way of dealing with that. I just like hit and hope and like hope that it goes away and the situation is sorted. So yeah, I don't, I don't really have an answer that is as thought out as yours because I haven't really thought about how I dealt with it. Um, but Bill Clinton seems to have all the answers. <laughs> he definitely has on. Um, um, I, I have a similar thing to you to where I, when I'm going through those things, um, I, obsessed through the problem and find solutions to everything that can go wrong. Right. Um, so if it's like, I'm going to lose, um, this much, I'm going to do ABCD or whatever. I, I at least understand what the worst case scenario is. Right. And I get comfortable with that. Yeah. And from there I'm like, I cool. That's the worst case scenario. Um, I'm not going to die. Got it. Right. Um, so I guess just to rationalize it. And that's what's up, man. So yeah, Bill Clinton gave us a good, good, <laughs> good alley oop to discuss our own ways of managing anxiety. Oh, so something I want to get to before we get to the next topic. I told you earlier that I'm giving up red meat, right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. So yesterday I went out to have um, just a catch up with G Money. Like we went to Gaucho here in Nairobi. Yeah. And dude, like I haven't had red meat in so long. And so, you know, gaucho is like this Argentinian steakhouse where they, or Brazilian. They just come around shaving meat off on your plate, right? Yeah. So I had the lamb. I had the rump steak. Feeling good. Yo, when I got up from the table and got home, I was useless. I was so tired. But how much, like, variations of meat did you have? Or Only meat? two. Only two. Just the okay. rump steak and the, and the lamb. And the lamb. And I had a piece of chicken. Okay, cool. But, like, one piece of chicken, right? And I came home, and, like, my wife had made dinner. And I was sitting at the dinner table with the family like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I, I was just so tired that I actually went upstairs. I turned off my phone at 830 and went to bed. Oh, OK. And I woke up like later on, like at 11, my wife was still up working and, you know, doing things. And I was just like, I don't know why I feel this way. And I realized it must be the red meat. So, look, declaration, I'm off red meat for a very long time. Um, I gave up red meat for two years once. Oh, word? Yeah. Um. And I know what you mean because when I when I yeah. when I when I started red meats again, it was a heavy thing, you yeah. know, um, and the taste was heavy, um, and I had to like get used to it again. Yeah, I I, I couldn't get used to it yesterday, and I don't want to get used to it um, <laughs> because I've been f- having like a lot of energy, being able to run, being able to exercise, um, getting up at the right hour, having energy when I'm at my desk at work. So for now, it's um it, it's it's a clean break with red meat. So just wanted to share that. Um, the other thing I want to talk to you about is actually something you brought up to me. Yeah. Um, is like talking about, you know, certain things that are happening in the gig economy right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I saw, and I wonder if like, this is the first domino to fall for Uber. Yeah. Right. Because the, there was a case in France this past week that was decided. I think yes. it was filed in like 2017. Yeah. And it's a, it's from the court. That's like the highest court. Yeah, so there like is the no appeal. Su- like the Supreme Court. Or right. Yeah. Um, and so what happened is this court ruled that Uber's distinction of these 
drivers as independent contractors is actually a fiction and that they're employees. Yeah. So this is based on facts from like three years ago. So I don't know if the facts that have happened over the last three years have changed, but I do think that Uber now has a problem on its hands. And I'm not sure if you followed this, but there are quite a few companies in Silicon Valley and in Seattle as well yeah. who are given like their wage workers like full pay if they have to stay home for the coronavirus. Coronavirus, yeah. Even with Uber too, yeah. So Uber, if they do that, it's going to be a problem for them. And the reason but for they, it... But they did do it, I think. Oh, if they did, then they got a problem. In, in, and here's in, in why, I think. Because you're independent contractors. You don't pay them for not working. True. <laughs> you True. know, True. you pay your employees when they're not working. And, and so I, I don't know if that's going to blur the line, but I know you have a few things to say because this was... You introduced this topic to the show, not me. So <laughs> no, I'm going to no, give you the floor. Rock no, with it. because um, my, my, my consideration is in the same way. It was uh, in the gig economy. Um, I think we... Are at the part where there's you know, the boom, right? Where people are using the services and it's widespread, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think right now I can imagine my life without Uber. You know? Why not? Um, because just the uh, convenience of being able to like, uh, get around the city without having a car. Because for you, it's different because you drive, right? Um, it is. But so, like, here's my question to you, right? Yeah. Is that convenience a question of Uber or someone providing the service? So put it differently. Yeah. Would you s- still be willing to use that service? It was two and a half times more expensive. So here in Nairobi, we spend what, about $4 for Uber on average? It is $8? ridiculously cheap. Yeah, so like if that ride was 8 or $10 instead, would you still pay it? I would, because I have to get around. But I would then have to consider whether or not it's, it's a better option for me to get a car. Right. Um, because if we just count to the cost of just that um, over time, over a month, they could get to a stage where it's better for me to get a car and drive around. So... Yeah, but at the current moment in time, when I get to new cities, when I go anywhere else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, using Uber is, I mean, it's just seamless. Yeah, know? I agree. Um, so without without Uber, I, I I don't know what I was doing before. Um, maybe hailing taxis, but that, that was it's a tough time. But anyway, um, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about like just the, the regulations as you were talking about this case, right? Um, yep. Regulations and um, regulators um, across the world have to get to. A stage where these services have to be regulated in a way that both meets the consumers um, and customers. So I think with Airbnb, their biggest issues are with uh, consumers um, because people have more of an of a headache with like things that happen in the Airbnb. You know, if I stay at a place and it's not where you know where I you know. <laughs> Did you read that story I sent to you? Yeah, you sent me that story. <laughs> yeah, so you sent me a story about um some some guy. Uh, I don't know, works a wired or something. Yeah, where yeah. where he um went to a place in London. By the way, I sent him a message to come on the podcast. He didn't respond. So <laughs> look, we're not where we want to be yet. <laughs> but um, like, hold on, hold on. Let yeah, me yeah. let me tell you the message I sent what to him. Right? Say, yeah, I was like. Hi, read your story on Wired. I uh, really enjoyed it. I found it very informative. Um, I have a podcast where we talk about these issues. <laughs> Here's the line that I used. Yeah. We have a small but dedicated audience. <laughs> I'm sure he gets those all the time. 1,000%. Like he still hasn't responded. So anyway, Templeton, if you're listening, which I doubt you are, <laughs> we'd love to have you on the pod and talk about your series of articles on Airbnb in the UK. And again, if you if you're interested, you should go to wired.co.uk and just like check out uh, their series on Airbnb. It's like super interesting. But keep going. This, this this reminds me of our conversation about being aired. Do you remember when I was explaining to you what uh, in British <laughs> in British yeah. slang being aired means? So, go ahead. Go ahead. So, be, so being aired is uh, in British slang just basically means you know somebody 
just let you like um this this doesn't get get back to you like so if you're if you're talking to yourself in the room it's just you and the air so you're just being aired yeah you um, definitely just aired me right there. yeah um, um <laughs> but yeah so you told me um so yeah so the, the article was about how he um got an airbnb yep and it was uh for an apartment somewhere in london um mm-hmm. and he got there and the room that he was in was not what was on his listing right right um and basically as a summary of it he went through the building and knocked on other people's doors <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know who does that i don't know what kind of cycle is like uh, you know this is not working Let he's not go. a psycho he's a journalist <laughs> now so but do you think you as a person you get to an airbnb you get to an apartment and you're like okay this this is not what i had uh, right, but let's give some more context, right? Like, not only was it not what he anticipated, like, there was, the sheets were dirty. True. Um, he was there, and there was a maid who looked like she okay, was... Okay, let's, let's not just say the sheets were dirty, because he, he said there's a yellow patch across exactly. the middle of the sheet. That's right. just not dirty, bro. That's, that's, that's filthy. <laughs> let's go a level, another level of dirt. But, like, I think for him, he saw this maid who was there cleaning the whole building... And usually when you get an Airbnb, it's just like a singular apartment. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like that was the first thing that made him start going around. And then like the thing he started finding was that other people in this building were having the same issues that the the room that they signed up for wasn't the room that they ended up having when when they checked into the room. So I think you're right in that there's kind of right now, I think the way the gig economy is working is that it's working primarily for those companies yeah. and not for... In the case of Airbnb, they're consumers. Yeah. And in the case of Uber, they're employees slash independent contractor, yeah. depending on which jurisdiction you're in. And I just wonder if we're not seeing if this isn't the first domino in some kind of paradigm shift where yeah. governments come in and say, you know what? We're not going to allow you to classify people this way. Yeah. And what happens then, instead of being a $60 billion company that Uber thought it was, maybe it's a $20 billion company, and that's still fine. Well, I don't think it's fine for, for the kind of um, projections that they've made and the things they want to do. And the thing you're talking about on um, the coronavirus, about them giving um, workers pay mm-hmm. um, if they, they have to be uh, quarantined. Um, I mean, this is the year that Uber had said the ones who worked towards profitability. Yeah. Right. So it's the worst time for them to be having extra costs on their on their balance sheet. Yeah. And it's funny because they offloaded Uber Eats in India and guess who came right behind them? Jeff Bezos. Really? So Amazon is now getting into like the food delivery space in in India. But but you know what I think the interesting thing about like um these kind of tech services in in um other countries. Um yep. That are not uh, America, Europe, et cetera, et cetera, uh, is that the prices for them there are quite low. So I, I don't know how they meet. I don't either. So when I saw the numbers, <laughs> so the average price of a meal that's like being delivered in India is yeah. $4. Okay. And so I don't know. Well, the average price of the meal that's being delivered. Yeah, not, no, the, not, not, not the cost of the. No, no, no. Like I want some naan and chicken vindaloo, $4. Oh, right. So I, I don't know how they make the economics work. So that that I think is going to end up being like the real fight on both sides is how they make it work. Um, but I, I think the broader question I continue to have is if you look at Uber Postmates in California, for example, I think yeah. the fight that they're willing to have is that instead of paying drivers, yeah, they're just going to spend money on campaigns. So, again, AB5 is something I talked about like three 
three episodes ago. Yeah. But AB5 is kind of like this legislation in California that's trying to reclassify gig economy workers yes, as employees yes. as, as opposed employee. to independent yeah. contractors. Yeah. And the way Uber and Postmates have decided to spend their money is to spend it on candidates for like the House of Representatives in California. I don't know if it's called the House, but the California legislature, sorry. Yes. Um, Which that, is what all y'all do in America. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. You, <laughs> you know, spend you, money on the politicians. <laughs> yeah, because you you want someone inside who's going to vote, who, not necessarily vote the way you want them to, but they owe something to you. I think that's pretty gangster, by the way, that you guys are just like open about the idea that you guys pay politicians. They, they're not paid. We donate to their campaigns. That you go is to being their, paid, <laughs> bro. You go to a dinner and you pay five thousand dollars a plate. Like, <laughs> if they have Emeril Lagasse there, it's worth it. Do you know who Emeril Lagasse is, by the way? Who? Emeril Lagasse. No, who's that? He's an American chef. Oh, is he? Yeah. But okay. by the way, so before we got on and started recording, I played You Ain't a Killer by Big Pun for yeah. Moi had never heard it before. So he thought he was going to get me back by playing All That I Got Is no, You by Ghostface. No, 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 no. I, was I was like, of not, course I, not, I know that I song. I was not getting you back. <laughs> I was okay. just saying like, yo, do you know this song though? It's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, I mean. I mean excuse me for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. So look. I think this is something we're going to keep watching, yeah. and we're probably going to talk about more and more on the pod. I would um, say just qu- go ahead, go ahead. Quick um, side note to the coronavirus. There, um, did you do you see that in Italy they have quarantined? I don't know, sixteen million people in in Lombardy. Yeah, so Lombardy, Venice, uh, yeah. Milan. Milan like, yeah. yeah, if you are in any of those places, you can't leave. Yeah, or I'm go. sorry. <laughs> so and, and like, what's crazy is I saw this girl like um, online. She stays in Italy at the moment. She was like, um, she's I think she was South African, and she was like. I might just book my ticket back home because this thing isn't working out. I'm like, no, nah. I'm like, shame. No, you can't leave. <laughs> Bro, you should send her, send her the link to the podcast because <laughs> she's going to have a lot of time on her hands because she can't leave. Um, but it's, by the way, the title for the last episode aged badly in like three days. <laughs> this thing is not no, no, overhyped. No, I, I think like that was a question, right? Because a lot of people out yeah. there um, are questioning whether or not you're just overhyping something. Because they're like, oh, look, we had the Ebola virus. You had um, all the other different strains of viruses that have come before this um, bro let me tell you it's not and here's why <laughs> why i focus more on death rates and not just like social disruption oh let me say though uh remember okay. in the last uh, podcast when i said you don't know whether or not the two percent uh death rate is the one that's going to end on yeah and the numbers have proved me right <laughs> yeah no one thousand percent so like look it the situation is fluid <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm gonna spat out my wine anyway. Yeah. No, but like, it, what I'm starting to see is that like, people like you and I at our age, yeah, it's not that big of a deal for us in terms of our life, yeah. But imagine the disruption that if you come in contact with someone who has it, suddenly you have to go quarantine for two weeks, yeah. And I think about myself, who I'm married with two kids, like I got to spend two weeks away from my family, yeah, and then. Everyone who I come in contact with at the office, they also have to go into quarantine. So it's the ripple effect of coming in contact with someone who has a disease that I think is kind of a really big deal that no one really knows. And so South by Southwest got canceled. Mm. Uh, Coachella will probably be canceled. I was about to say, like, I wonder if Coachella is going to. Yeah, the jazz festival you want to attend in South Africa is probably going to be canceled. Yeah, I think it'd be a good decision to still go. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see what happens here in Kenya because, look. What happens, I think, is that when you detect one case, yeah. you probably have a hundred already. You already have a hundred, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know how this thing is going to play out. But once again, I want to go back to my favorite topic, which is 
I think the most important topic, the most important output from this issue is how does it affect like mortality for old people yeah. who are the most vulnerable, vulnerable yeah. and then how does it disrupt society in terms of people's day-to-day lives, their work lives and their personal lives. But, you know, as kind of, you know, a self-interested capitalist, I also think about how it affects my investment portfolio. <laughs> and so, again, this week was a rough week. And I've been reading some stuff. And I wanted to ask you a question, actually. Yeah. Are you familiar with the phrase of, like, catching a falling knife as it yes. relates to investing? Yes. Right. So, for those who are not, catching a falling knife means, like, you know, investing in a stock that's, like, bottoming out. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know the bottom. You don't know if it's falling yet. So like buying it on the way down, there might still be some bottom remaining. And so I started looking at stocks that I see that are like cratering right now. Yeah. Like what? So American Airlines, for example. The entire airline industry, airline industry. is travel, travel industry generally. Yeah. Right. And so like it, I think of it in terms of someone like you, right? Yeah. Like you're 28. Um, I'm 38. So for me, I don't have as much time as you do. Yeah. Even though I still, even I think of myself as someone having a lot of time, but let's say I plan to retire at 58. Yeah. That gives me 20 years. If you look at the value of, let's say someone, excuse me, who was 38 in 2000. Yeah. And invested like $10,000 in March of 2000. Yeah. More wine. By the way, wine is pouring more wine. Um, So... Someone who invested $10,000 in March of 2000, you know how much that is worth now, 20 years later? I think it's like $17,000. So it hasn't even doubled. And that's because they invested during the dot-com, like, you know, fallout. And similarly, I think a lot of people are looking at stocks today thinking that, oh, it's a crisis. Maybe there's an opportunity. And so I started, you know, looking at stocks where, like, if I was someone, your phone's ringing? You want to get that? That's okay, Karen. Okay, cool. Um... Like, if I was looking at, like, the airline industry where the fundamentals are right, like, if you look at price to earnings for, I think, Delta and American Airlines, it's, like, four times earnings or six times earnings, right? Yeah. If you look at something like Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines, they're... <laughs> they're, they're in... <laughs> Dude, like, in January, they were, like, at $120. I think today they're at, like, 65 or 66 65 That's And crazy. the same with, like, Carnival Cruise Lines, which is, like, half of what it was back in January before everyone started freaking out. So I started thinking, you know, it's like, of course, things are bad. But I wonder if this isn't a great opportunity for young people who don't own any stocks to have an opportunity to come into the market when it's falling. Because ultimately, the stock market isn't really the economy. It's just a proxy for how maybe the wealthiest 10 or 15 percent of Americans are doing in terms of looking at the American stock market. And 50 percent of Americans don't own stocks. So. 2008 was another was the most recent crisis. And I think when you don't really know a lot about investing, 2008, I was, what, 12 years younger? So I was, what, 26? Yeah. And I stopped investing in my 401k because I didn't know any better. Okay. I stopped investing altogether because I was just like, oh, prices are falling. These companies aren't going to be around anymore. And I remember going on a date with someone, and I was telling her this. And she, at the time, I think she was at Procter & Gamble. And she was showing me the economics like Coca-Cola and like she drew a dra- graph and everything. It was like, nah, you shouldn't stop investing. I didn't listen to her at all. Um, so I think that for someone like you at your age, this might be a buying opportunity. But I don't know if you, if young people should be investing in stocks that are falling because you don't really know how far they'll fall. But like, okay, if, if, if they're going to fall, right, um, at, at a certain point in time, this this crisis has to has to disappear right or can yep. right um so it's a it's a waiting game so 
if you if you're buying like a a stock that's falling, you're not buying it for the short term, right? You're definitely buying that one for like long term when things get back up. And I think the airline industry right now, I think there is just way too much uncertainty um, for you to invest in it, um, especially with the with the with the planes and. Um, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's very unstable space to get into at the current moment in time. Cruise ships, though, when this virus is done, nobody really, really cares about like companies that deal with this kind of. Kind nah, of people go on cruises a lot. Like my man yeah. Nambi, who I reference on this podcast a lot. A lot. By the way, Nam- shout out Nambi. It's, a lot. It's not a B. It's a D. Nambi. Huh? <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, Nambi just got finished his defense for his PhD yesterday. Boom! Congrats! Oh yeah, bless up, man. Yeah, he's he's walking on May twenty first. Oh, I'm going coronavirus permitting. But there's a blog that I read a lot called The Irrelevant Investor, and I'm just gonna read you something based on what you just said. Yeah. What do you call a group of stocks that fell ten percent, then another twenty percent, then another thirty percent, then another forty percent, and then got cut in half? What? Oil services. <laughs> so all that to say is like, imagine if you were the person who bought when they fell twenty percent. Yeah. Well, it fell another 30 and another 40. Imagine if you bought when it got fell like that other 40, then it still got cut in half. So you don't know. And for me, I mean, people say buy low, sell high. Yeah. I think that's true, but I like to buy high and sell higher. No, let me let me explain that for a little bit, because I, I, I think it sounds contradictory or maybe like counterintuitive. But the way I see it is like the most important thing to me is not necessarily the price of the stock so much as my belief in tomorrow for that company. Okay. So like my biggest positions are Amazon and Microsoft. And it's partially because I believe in 10 or 15 years, they're going to be doing a lot better than How they are How are those today. doing right now in terms of? So yeah, you know, the boy's suffering a little bit. <laughs> um, they're not doing well, but no one is except for like stocks work from home. So yeah, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. So if you wanted to look at the stocks that are doing good right now, like if you had a short term play like, yo, I want to make some quick bread, um, sell like in a week and a half or like a month or two months and have like short term capital gains that I have to pay. Some of the stocks that are doing well are Zoom. So Zoom is kind of like the work from home conferencing thing, right? Yeah, like yeah. you can have the video while you're at home. The other one is Peloton. Do you know Peloton? I do. That's the one, uh, the, the the exercise thing? Exactly. Yeah. Because there's nowhere with more germs that we spend all day than the gym. In gym, yeah. Right? Like, so everyone's sweating. And, like, sometimes you go to the bathroom in the gym and you're like, you know what? I'm going to shower at home. Um, so, Peloton is Most doing... times. It's because you refuse to join my gym. I don't know why you're being cheap. <laughs> because, like, the gym... Your gym is inconvenient for me. Yeah, it's but... It's very far away. But it's cleaner than the one you go to. I saw you... you, st- you it dude, I saw you post... minutes to get to your house. I hear you, but I saw you post something on Instagram. Oh I saw that gym. Not as clean <laughs> as mine. <laughs> exactly. I think you should just come to Ignite. Come to my gym out there? No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say no, the we, name we of your gym. We're good down there, though. We're good. That's you what know, you think. But I, you know, I saw we got squat rack, you know, bench press. Got all that. <laughs> no problem. When you, when you have an issue and you can't record, I won't tell the people why. But no, nah, I, I do think that for someone like you, this is like a really great opportunity nah. because I think at 28 yeah. to buy in a down market when you still have maybe 30 or 40 years that you're planning to hold these stocks. So 
I wouldn't focus so much on trying to catch a fallen knife, so to speak. I would just be like, oh, Amazon is cheaper today than it was a month ago. I'm I with that. it. I hear that. I hear that. I think yeah. definitely with the kind of stocks where where um, you're buying them on the cheap. I mean, regardless, I mean, Apple, um, Amazon, all these kind of services are going to go back up when things are okay. It depends. It depends, right? Like, let's say things get okay, but for whatever reason, the Chinese consumer is not doing as well as it was for whatever reason. Okay. I mean, that will really affect Apple. That will affect Apple in terms of, like, the production, right? Yeah. Yeah. The production is everything, right? Um, so, look, I, I think we've covered everything we wanted to cover, but now we can freestyle. Freestyling <laughs> on. Um, so, you're, you're, you're kind of mentioned. Should, should we end right now? Yeah. Let's, let's. On that note. <laughs> on that note, I think we're done. Yo, thanks for. <laughs> See y'all later. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to episode 14 of Ricardo's podcast. Mari will be back for episode 15. Thanks again. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>